We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to a strange basement bar edition of the Rock Pile Report. I invested in a little piece of technology that's going to allow me to podcast from my basement down here in the bar. I've got a microphone. I've got a. Uh, <laughs> I've got the little recording device. I've got a pod track. I've got all kinds of stuff. Here's what I'm going to say. This is fun. It's either gonna it's either gonna go well or it's gonna end in absolute disaster. Uh, I don't know which. I'm I'm really excited to find out though. Uh, right now I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about what I want to talk about and I'm thinking about just what's going on. And the biggest thing is that it's Sunday, right? It's Sunday is usually the end of the week. It's the day that we look at and we go, okay, the uh, Monday starts a brand new week. And I was talking to Tyler Dunn earlier this week, he was telling me about how he's getting ready to head out of town and he was going to drive. That's right. This is what a maniac this guy is. He was going to drive to the NFL combine. Now, it's like eight hours. He goes, oh, you know, it's like I hate it when people do this, when they say, you know, when when the NFL combine, when, when somebody goes or any anywhere you're driving where someone says to you, Hey, uh, you know, it's so-and-so is a half hour away and they say, well, it's really only 25 minutes. Get get out of here with that. It's ridiculous. So this madman on behalf of his publication, GoLongTD.com, go long. Who, who doesn't love the stuff that Tyler's doing over there? He's going to drive to the NFL Combine so that he can go watch. Realistically, he's not going to be standing around watching guys in skin-tight clothing just run around like some of us here. But he's going to be back channeling. He's going to be talking to players. He's going to be talking to agents. He's going to be talking to different people and rubbing elbows with his corollaries in the sports journalism community. And I love that for him. 
I think that this is a great opportunity for him to do something, you know, to expand his brand, to hone his craft, get more inside information, back channel and find out what's really being talked about behind the scene. In fact, I think a couple of years ago, he came on this our podcast and basically said that that admitted like, hey, that's going to be a huge piece when the combine was kind of scuttled for covid purposes. He said, hey, this is going to throw a wrench in what the NFL's doing. NFL uses the combine as a way to back channel and to figure out what's uh, to kind of figure out who's who, what's what agents and players can kind of meet anonymously. There's all kinds of shady backdoor conversations that are taking place. It's it's incredibly interesting, right? For maybe that and those and only those purposes, because here's what I see, right? I look at this and I say to myself, the NFL combine stinks. I hate it. I I really do, really do hate it. And I think the biggest thing I dislike about it isn't that the process itself is worthless, but that I think that we as football fans have conflated so much of what we think this is supposed to mean. Uh, I mean, think about it. We all know that guy. I know one. His name is Paul Wineski. In fact, I know a couple. I know a couple ones who sit here and talk about the NFL combine as if it fucking matters. It drives me crazy. Paul Wineski used to, and he may still from hashtag sports takes time off of his, like takes days off work. Now, when I take a day off work, I'm either at a beach, I'm drinking, I'm doing, I'm doing something of like, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's something that has entertainment value. This this psychopath is taking time off work so he can watch the combine. And I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, he fancies himself as an analyst. Does he know what matters and what doesn't? It's funny. I don't know that most people do. Okay? People have been trying to decide what does and what doesn't matter. I can tell you first and foremost the thing that drives me crazy, hand size. This idea that we could talk about hand size and have that anyone's out there trying to have that conversation just drives me insane because we sit here and we talk about what goes on at the nfl combine right hand size hand size if you bring it up to me my blood boils and i just because i don't understand that if a guy who competed in collegiate football right with a bigger awkward like more awkwardly like maybe it's not bigger maybe it's a little smaller i don't know i know that there's a difference because reed ferguson has told me multiple times that kicking is different in the ncaa compared to the nfl because of the size of the football either way it's not like you're talking about going from like the carnival sized basketball to a real regulation nba ball it's not that dramatic and I think that anybody who tries to claim that it is, is a lunatic. You're, you're dumb. And then, then of course, I say that and people just inundate me with hand size metrics. Hey, Drew, did you see the chart? They update me. It's it's ridiculous. I think that hand size is probably one of the most conflated things. In the, maybe outside of the quarterback position. In fact, if there was and, and even then, it's dubious. But I might buy the whole, oh, well, you got to be able to grip it to throw it. Okay. I don't need to know literally any other position's hand size. Maybe wide receiver. Okay? Maybe. But even then, if the guy catches, tape doesn't lie. If a guy can catch a ball, he will show you himself catching a football. It doesn't matter if his fingers are an inch shorter in wingspan than you thought they were. Okay? 
Also, the 40, right? The 40. Everyone wants to talk about like the ways that the 40 is like, oh, man, well, that matters, right? Like, obviously, straight line speed has to mean something, okay? John Ross. Talk to me about John Ross. In fact, I found an article from USAToday.com's For the Win that they uh, put out back in 2015. They went back and looked at the guys with the fastest 40 times since Chris Johnson, CJ2K, since he set the record back in 08. Former Buffalo Bill Dry Archer, <laughs> Ontario McCaleb, Lamar Miller, Darrell Scott, Javid Best, and Cedric Pierman. Call him. Call Canton. Tell him that each one of these guys needs a bust, right? Because they were so good because of their speed. Guys, I don't even like this isn't even me being like, oh, okay, well, they were average, but everyone expected them to be all stars. Most people don't know who those players are. I only know Dry Archer because he's one of the few guys I've ever seen to have his rights traded to a team. And he literally just looked at the Buffalo Bills and went, nah, fam, I'm good. I'm good on NFL football. I don't need any of that in my life. Like, it's terrible. And yet we all are glued to this event and the results that we think that it purports. The idea that we think that this is going to go well or, oh, my God, that guy was so fast. And this combined with his other skill sets obviously makes him more valuable than player X. It doesn't. Right. It just doesn't. Uh, Also. I uh, just in reading through some other because I'm, t- I'm looking I go out there and I look for like minded people right I try to find people who might think the way I do because I'm just like the rest of you okay I- I'm not any smarter I just uh, maybe I'm a little more well spoken maybe I'm a little more organized it makes me seem like I'm intelligent but so I do what everyone else does and I go out there and I try to find my own little echo chambers I go there's got to be other people who think that this process stinks and that the NFL combines value isn't nearly what we all conflate it to be this this pomp and circumstance and fanfare we're going to hear it all week it's going to be talked about on social media it's going to be on tv so i went back and i found this article from bleacher report and they talked about how like intelligent people right 2003 arizona state university put on a study that showed showed that performance was directly at the combine was directly related to draft order right And so what that does for us is it tells us that these teams care about this event. They are convinced that it's a good idea and that it has a lot of value. And like there's specific combine tests that make you think like like this player is better than that player. Like I was talking about University of Carolina researchers found that there were significant performance differences between drafted and non-drafted skill players between the 40 yard dash, the shuttle runs and the vertical jump. And then linemen who performed better in the 40-yard dash and the bench press obviously get drafted higher. Now, some of that makes sense within a vacuum, right? If there was zero tape and you had nothing to look back at, you could say to yourself, well, this guy seems faster in a short area, especially the 10-yard split for offensive linemen. And he's got more upper body strength. So he probably would make for a better offensive lineman or at least a more explosive one than player X or player Y. You know, the the Mike Mamoulas of the world and the uh, Spencer Browns of the world, how he got drafted. Spencer Brown was drafted because he showed some real explosion, especially in like the shuttle drills and the cone drills. He was an athlete playing a tackle position that doesn't see athletes. 
and teams moved him up their draft boards accordingly. It's why he was a third round draft pick coming out of NIU, which I don't even know that anybody knows. Like nobody could look at the state of Illinois and I say, okay, it's called Northern Illinois. What city is it closest to? No one could tell me. Not a single one of you. But so then you go back and in a new study, okay, these guys, Frank Kumitz and Arthur Adams, professors at University of Louisville, (laughs) evaluated more than 300 quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers drafted over the last six seasons from 1999 to 2004. They took down everything. They looked at, you know, whether it was... uh, what is it? The um, b- 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 performance test. I'm, I'm just looking down the list here. They're saying they took a look at the 40. Okay, They took a look at your long jump. They took a look at what seven different physical tests and made sure everybody passed their medicals. Those three skill positions were chosen as they have distinct performative statistics that can be tracked. You know, we're not talking linemen, defensive players whose contributions, you have to look at things like EPA now and you have to dig into finer metrics. Here's guys who put up numbers. Each position that they did this for, right, they took a look and they also looked at quarterback rating, yards per carry, yards per reception, measured for quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. What they found is that when they looked at most metrics that the combine tells us is important and that these draft pundits will, well, you know, this guy because of his 40 time, no significant link found whatsoever between combine performance and NFL success, except for 40 yard dash times and running backs. That's it. And, you know, every every year we do our running back preview and we get together with uh, Matt Waldman from the uh Matt Waldman in his publication there. And the thing that comes up is he says great running backs are great running backs. It's about contact balance. It's about vision. The problem is, is if you don't have like if you're if you're you think of Devin Singletary, if you don't have breakaway speed, then all the 40 yard dash result tells another team is can he outrun a safety after 40 yards? (laughs) Or is he going to if he like, let's say he breaks contain, makes a couple of guys miss in the box. Will someone catch him from behind at some point down the field? All of this is to say that realistically, there isn't a lot that you can say, oh, these drills will tell you about the how a player will do in the NFL. It doesn't. Not even the Wonderlick. I thought that one was crazy. They said flat out the Wonderlick aptitude test did not predict NFL achievement, even though a skill like quarterback requires a decent amount of cognitive talent. Now, I look away from that statement and I say to myself, <clears throat> we get drunk and we take the wonder like every single year on our podcast. We're actually going to be doing it this week in honor of the stupid NFL combine. We will be doing the wonder Lake again and we're going to be doing it. I think Ryan Lacell should he's going to be in studio with us. He's going to take it. And what we're going to do is we're going to take someone who's actually intelligent and they're going to have a couple brews and we're going to see how Chris and I fare against somebody smarter than we are, provenly smarter than we are. But here's what I like when I look back at Wonderlick scores in quarterbacks, because you say, okay, that's got to be the guy who's the field general, the guy who's seeing the field, calling the plays, dissecting the defense. He must have the best Wonderlick score in order to be good at the game of football. Lamar Jackson is a 13. Dan Marino had a 15. Donovan McNabb had a 15. So did Jim Kelly and so did Terry Bradshaw. One, two, three. That's three Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Three. 
and I don't know if it's the beer or just my recollection or how many brain cells I've killed, but I don't, if Donovan McNabb is in the Hall of Fame, then that means four quarterbacks with 15 on the Wonderlick. So Lamar Jackson gets a 13 and everybody makes a big deal about it. I pulled up the list of professions that you should be able to hold depending on your Wonderlick score. If you have a 15, you should be working in a warehouse. Maybe a lot borderline as to whether or not they let you drive the forklift. Otherwise, you're just standing around carrying boxes. So do not tell me that it matters because we've seen how many, how many quarterbacks now, how many players now with poor Wonderlick scores. Okay, so they can't do math and solve word equations well. You know what they can do? They can Uncle Rico that football or they can outrun the people in front of them or they can use their athleticism to set their teammates up to make amazing plays. That's it. This makes me think a lot about, you know, when, when you're looking for work, when you're out there taking job interviews and you you go to a place and they tell you, well, you know, we, we love your resume and we you know, we want you to we, we, you interviewed well. You put on a great presentation. We just need you to take the wonder lick. Okay, well, you could do that. You could force the wonder lick on somebody. And in the process, you could be costing yourself a valuable employee. Because I think I've proven year in and year out that I'm bad at this. I don't know what it is about the format. I don't know. But that doesn't mean that I don't I know any less about financial management, about debits and credits, about money, how things get moved around, about managing people. I don't know that that somehow can discount what I do. But I do know that if you are the football team that gives a damn about that, then you've made then you probably made some really poor draft decisions based on it. If that's what you're using. And if they're not using it, then the question becomes, why the fuck are we doing it? I feel sometimes like all of these things that we do is simply to prop up the existence of the NFL Combine. It's like an institution of its in, unto itself now that feeds itself. And it's because we watch, right? Like last year, the NFL Combine decided that they decided that they needed to move it into primetime TV. They decided they needed to move it into primetime TV because obviously the NFL is the money pick. They will, I mean, there's a trough and they're here for every dollar they can get into their filthy mouths. So with that being said, they did so at the expense of a lot of the players who were taking part in the evaluations. And so what you ended up seeing is this idea, you saw players boycotting events altogether. Like I'm looking for the numbers here. I had them up in front of me a second ago. But realistically, like you had multiple, multiple players who didn't attend specific events. They just said they were like, look, we're not going to do well, what is it? Zero running backs ran the 20 yard short shuttle or the three cone. It's because after they ran, they stretched, they got limber, they ran the 40 yard dash. Then they were expected to wait almost five hours before coming out and doing other timed drills without a whole lot of warm up and ramp up and ahead of that. Because they were trying to cram interviews and other things in between there. These guys were put in a no-win situation. And for everybody who goes, well, you know, it's the job and that's the thing. Tell that to David Ojabo. David Ojabo probably should have been one of the higher drafted edge players in last year's draft. Because his tape was phenomenal. He, and he was still growing as a football player. He tears his Achilles doing, a pro, doing pro day workouts. This like these are the things that happen in these type of environments. And 
the NFL, knowing that this is possible, actually steered into it by shuffling things around and making it more difficult for these guys to go out there and do the job that they're trying to do. Like the job that they're trying to show NFL football teams, hey, I'm capable of doing this. And the league is doing it specifically because of all of us, because we've decided the NFL combine is important. And they go, well, wait a minute. If these rubes are going to they're going to show up and we can sell advertising during it. They don't know what they're looking at now. Let's do it. Let's shuffle this around. And it blew up in their faces. It was bad. Now, hopefully they've learned, but I don't think they have because I'm looking at the schedule right now. Right now, Thursday, March 2nd, you know, everyone's going to report it's 3 p.m. Okay. Okay. So it's they've moved it back. Okay. They, it looks like it's all going to be in the afternoon. Uh, live drills are going to go from the middle of the afternoon, probably into the evening, and then they'll run the recaps in primetime. Bravo, NFL. You learned last year that you stepped in it, and at some point, even though these guys are basically out there like some kind of like it's some kind of auction it's a meat market out there you guys like have learned that the players are also learning this dynamic of hey we have a shelf life we have things that we have to be concerned about even though our dream is to play nfl football you can't just keep putting us in disadvantageous situations both physically and so good for them and good for the nfl for responding with something that looks like sanity i think the funny thing is Again, they've got us all hoodwinked that this matters. You look at the Rams last year. They they didn't go, but that's because they didn't have any draft picks, which Les Snead and his fuck them draft picks approach. I get it. <laughs> You're not going to waste your time. You're not going to have the team spend money flying people to these meetings. You can do all the back channeling and stuff elsewhere. You can send representatives. You don't have to send your GM or your scouting staff, especially if you don't have any picks. But what was funny this year is that Green Bay quarterback Matt LaFleur isn't going. In fact, none of his coaching staff is going. The GM will be there, Brian Gutenkunks, and some of the scouts and things like that. But the coach himself flat out said, my time is better spent working with the staff on scheme projects because everything from the Combine is recorded and we can review it afterwards. Guys, the Paul Wineskis of the world, it's all recorded. If you want to see something, you can go seek it out afterwards. What are you lunatics doing taking time off work to watch this? There are coaches who are willing to say, bah, doesn't really matter. And yet there are fans who I know, right? I know in my bones will be on Twitter fighting me about this. If I were to tweet about it right now, which I just might, I guess like that's it. So if there's coaches who don't care. The scientists have been able to study this thing and figure out that there's really no correlation to who does well in the NFL other than who gets drafted where, which almost makes the teams involved sound stupid. Like they've proven that there's very little correlation between success in these environments and how they actually turn on the NFL. Most of it's tape related. And then you still as a team allow yourself like the Raiders, like you know, they joke about it. You know, Pat McAfee and AJ Hawk were joking the other day about how if you ran a fast 40 time, you were just a Raider. Like it was known that you were probably going to be a Raider. Like shame on you as a football team for allowing that to dissuade you from drafting another qualified candidate just because, oh, well, this guy, you know, this guy's been catching balls. He's got back to back thousand yard seasons in the NCAA, but this guy's fast. This guy's fast and he's big and he could be what that guy is. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? I 
it makes them look bad. And I think that it makes the people who drool over these things look bad. You know, I just and and I think that a lot of the people who get all whipped up about this only do so because it's been they've been told that this stuff matters. Do you guys want to know the history, the history of the NFL scouting combine? Okay. 1982, this place out of Indy called National Football Scouting Inc. got together and brought a bunch of bunch of draft prospects together, literally just to get their medical information. They go, listen, we could we could put 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 together a service that we can sell to the NFL. We can get teams to pay us to do their dirty work for them. But they got like a what does it say? One hundred and sixty three players, which is about half of what currently attends the combine. A couple other companies got wind of that and they go, wait a minute, we could do this, too. Let's start our own camp and we'll sell to certain NFL teams. And so they kind of went back and forth with this like war with each other for a few years. But by 1985, they all got together and realized, oh, shit, it costs us a lot of money. We're paying for these players to travel here because it's part of our service. We're trying to establish this thing and it costs a lot. We should all merge together as one company, come together and just centralize this thing. And they did. Okay. And so after that, like what? It's been in Indy ever since 1987 and they get together. And But that was it. It was all about getting medical checks, which is maybe the one thing is I rail about how stupid. I mean, look at this. They, they've got us tricked into believing that in like. We're going to wrap these guys in saran wrap and put put sensors all over them so we can collect sensitive data. What sensitive data? These defensive linemen are built like refrigerators with legs and you're going to wrap them in saran wrap. I don't need the guy to be wearing a skin tight suit to know he's probably not going to run fast. And I don't need to know all the specific nuances. and I don't think the GMs do either. You know what I think we don't need is another wardrobe malfunction. Like what happened a few years ago where the guy tripped and fell and was just literally left hanging out in the open. Like that's that's brutal. Like these things. Come on now. It's I don't need to see that. You don't need to see that. Nobody wants that. And I don't like I don't need it. They could do this stuff in gym shorts. But again, now they go, well, Amazon, we've partnered with Amazon and Amazon's going to collect all this super sensitive data. Who gives a shit? The guy's running in a straight line. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm getting fired up about this again. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
So, realistically, the medical checks might be the only part of this that really have, I think, credence. Or I think they might be the most important part, and they're the one part that nobody gets to see. They're the part that we don't get access to, and all we kind of hear are rumblings when something goes poorly. Otherwise, we don't know what else they talk about. You know, the players of specific interest, where you go, oh, well, this guy's coming off a knee injury, and he's at the combine to get it evaluated. Or this guy had shoulder problems during his senior year, and he's here to get it checked out. Maybe. Maybe that's... I don't know. Maybe that's worthwhile. Like, I don't want to say maybe it's, it's very worthwhile. It's what teams are there to pay attention to. Maybe that's worthwhile knowing as a fan who agonizes over the combine. Otherwise, I don't know. Guys, what are we talking about here? But I realize that in my diatribe here, which I'm, I'm realizing that this format of a podcast is really it's more for diatribes. This is more for one guy with a glass of dark beer like I am right now. It's actually called the Irish cream whale. It's a community beer works project. They have the whale, which is a brown ale. It's really, really good. This one is their, I don't know, St. Paddy's day version of it. It's the brown ale brewed with uh, lactose, natural bourbon and vanilla. Oh, surprisingly tasty. Um, but I guess as I'm sitting here and I sip this and I think about it, like I'm going to hear about it. And I know that I'm Gran Torino. I know I'm the old man sitting on my front porch, just glowering at all of you as you kind of, mill about and enjoy the thing and i think it's bruce nolan who's constantly telling everybody to let people like things let people enjoy things i don't want to (laughs) you all look too happy about something that's horseshit and i'm just tired of it so i have to come rain on your parade now with all of that being said i am excited to once again I, i i i like am excited once again to get in here get in studio get about eight beers in me and see what this wonder lick is all about. Because I got to tell you, I have to think that I can get better than a 15. The results have not been kind, but I feel like this might be my year. It just might be. I'm more worried about what's going to happen when Ryan takes the wonder lick. And then we butt that up against how Chris and I do. Like, I really think that 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 might be the worst portion of all of this. Like, it it could really go sideways. You guys love to tune in. Hear our podcast. We'll be recording this Thursday. Check that out. It's always a lot of fun. It's just now someone from the like, there's going to be a third party there to watch Chris and I count on our fingers and fumble our way through this. It's it's going to be a fun. It's going to be an interesting time. Oh, look at that. Greg Thompson. Oh, Thanks, bud. So he just DM me to say, hey, thanks. He's like, I would. He just messaged me to be like, hey, cool that you're doing this. I joined, but I'm at a kid's soccer practice. It's funny. I did a show last week with uh, Greg Thompson. It's the Greg Thompson sports show on Friday nights. I did this with him. And Mike Camerlengo from the 60 second classics and the uh, 60 second recaps and breakdowns. He is like it was it took everything that I had in. me. It's a fun show. Greg's put together over there. It took everything in me not to fanboy out over the mic, because honestly, he's a funny dude. He's a hilarious dude. He's the sound like Mike Camerlango. Those just go listen to his Josh Allen breakdowns. There's one of them where he comes in. He's talking about the sideline pass, the Josh Allen touchdown pass that he threw against the New England Patriots this past season. His ability to make analogies 
and draw corollaries between two things is it's better than some Pulitzer Prize winners. He goes, he goes, oh, Josh Allen gets away. He goes, this guy broke the cardinal rule. Don't. He's like, Josh Allen is like a haunted house. Don't go high or you're going to have a bad time. Tell me that that's not gold. And this guy just comes up with it. Off the th- I, I, just, I love my Camerlengo. But so I did Greg's show and it was fun. And we got to have these conversations about sports films and things that we like. And I got to get a little FaceTime with Mike. I'd like to do a show with him here. You know, we kind of back channeled about that afterwards. It would be fun to get him on our podcast because I think he likes to work a little blue. I think our format would work for him. But one of the fun things about Greg doing that show is he and I talked about it afterwards. And he said, he goes, you know, it's hard. You know, it's kind of difficult doing a one man show. You know, preparation, you got to have show notes, you got to do all these things. He goes, and it's hard to talk. He goes, it's just different talking when you don't have somebody there to play ping pong with. You know, you're trying to hold a one person conversation. And it made me laugh because that's the, the moment that it dawned on me. Not just dawned on me. I mean, I've had this idea for a while, but this was kind of proof, proof positive. I go, Greg Thompson's just a better person than me because I'm a raging narcissist. I am a raging narcissist. Me sitting down here alone with booze, two laptops going, I got this pod track thing fired up. I can talk about whatever I want. And I don't have to worry about Chris stepping all over me. This is fun. Let me see. Does this work? (laughs) I've got sound effects buttons. I got all kinds of stuff over here. This is a blast. I'm going to have a lot of fun with these, these podcasts and these segments going forward. Because it's it'll be whatever I want it to be. And I guess if there's something I, I guess we could close this out with, because I think my rant against the combine, my annual combine rant, I think it's why I saved it for here, because I didn't want to bog down our Thursday podcast. I hope you all took something away from it. And I hope that you guys will look at the NFL combine a little bit differently, especially when it comes to guys that you like. You're like, oh, this player, the Bills, you know, the, the, Jackson uh, Smith and Jigba is a player that I've heard Bills fans talk about, that I know that Bills fans are interested in. He had some health issues. I believe it was hamstring related down the stretch. I will be shocked if he does not attend the combine for medical checks. I would be shocked if he's not there. Because as I explained, that is why this whole thing exists. That is probably the biggest tool that they have at their disposal or at least the most important one that and the ability to quietly back channel with agents and stuff behind the scenes it's 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 tampering but they're allowed to tamper at this one event every year those two things medical checks and free tampering make it worthwhile at least for them otherwise like there will be things that come up there'll be running backs like right now the bills fans talking about running backs being mocked in the first round Mock drafts are probably the only thing I hate more than the NFL combine. Mock drafts, hand size, combine. Book them in that order. There's people crying about mock drafts that have running backs to the Bills. And people will go, well, this running back ran a 40 time. He looks like he could run fast. He's Benny the Jet Rodriguez, and it doesn't matter because he's going to rubber leg the beast for us. And that's going to be the thing that wins us a Super Bowl. I can't have I can't entertain any of these conversations you watch collegiate tape and the guys will show you who they are one of the things that people looked at Brees Hall last year and they said oh well Brees Hall he's kind of a long strider and he's you know he's not uh he doesn't look like the most explosive player blah 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 
He's he's good. He's very good. He just doesn't look. I think that was the complaint Matt Waldman was laughing with us about. He doesn't look like he's trying hard enough was the thing people kept saying. And they were like, so his 40 time obviously shows you a little bit of that. Just this long striding lackadaisical 40, not, not even lackadaisical 40 time. He had a very good one. But it was one of those things where nothing that he showed you at the combine, like he came into pro football and the second they gave him starter snaps, he turned into the guy that we saw in college, that we watched play in college, put film on. T- like it. So why were people overthinking that? Right. Like I'm going to I'm going to Google it right now. Hey, guys, call. this is one of the few times that see now I can say this and it's not a joke. Call in if you know who was the first running back drafted last year. Twenty twenty two NFL draft. Draft listing. Here we go. Was there a running back taken ahead of him? Is the question I have. Running back, running back, Brees Hall. Okay, so it looks very much like he was the first running back taken off the board. As he should have been. You look at what he was doing before he got hurt. That's that's crazy. He was he was the engine driving that football team. And so, like, what his 40 time was, what his let me see, Brees Hall combine results. Okay, so their prospect grade, if you look at the NFL NFL pre-draft thing was said he will eventually be a starter. <laughs> he will eventually. He ran a 4.3940. That's that that is impressive, right? He didn't do again, we talked about how nobody did the three cone drills. Nobody did the shuttle drills because of the he didn't bench press because the NFL like really kind of screwed that up. He was the best running back. He did all these things. Okay, so his production score was really good. It bared out, but also his film could have told you that. His film could have told you he was going to be a good player. So let's not go getting ourselves all wound up when a guy who was very productive in college, right? Jackson Smith and Jigba isn't going to, he's not going to do any of the drills. All he's going to have is tape. Bills fans are sitting here going, man, if, if he's there in the first round, don't be shocked if some team either trades up from the second round because the Bills don't pick until what? The late 20s? I think it's 27th, 28th. Don't be shocked if some team trades up either from the top half of the second round or just outrightly drafts him in like the 15 to 20 range because his tape in college, regardless of his injury at the end and his inability to perform at the combine, says that he will be a quality NFL weapon, or at least that he has all of the upside in the world to do so. The combine will literally play no, it won't play a factor into where he's drafted, and he will still be taken highly because of it. Like, don't allow yourself to be fooled by the window dressing there. And I guess that's the thing. Like, as you guys all go off to your various chat boards, message rooms, group chats, fucking Twitter, just remember that. Remember that it's been proven out that most of what we see here is just that. It's a big dog and pony show. It's window dressing. So the 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 prospects that you like, you probably like them because you watch them play football or you watch tape. And when fans go, I mean, I could have that argument. Oh, I watch tape. Nah. <laughs> you watch highlights on YouTube. That's not watching tape. But either way, I'm not, I can't fight all the mobs at once. I'll stick with NFL Combine Mob for today. Just understand what it is you're looking at and how little it actually matters. And if there's something I can close with, it's the Jordan Poyer thing. Guys, 
we got to stop this. We as Bills fans have to stop this thing. I heard the comments from Jordan Poyer. In fact, I believe the the comments, I want to say Thad Brown was the one who tweeted the video out when I saw it, talking about, and I don't even know what publication or what podcast or what radio show Jordan Poyer might have been doing at the time, but he made the comments that, uh, what, like, oh, well, I want to see the sun, and it would be nice to see the sun, and it would be nice to work in a state that doesn't take half my money. And he said all these things, and Bills fans got in their bag about players have to leave and trash us. Oh, uh, good luck to him, but I hope he's not back. Or, oh, way to crap on our city on the way out the door. Guys, first of all, I don't even know if you can consider what he said shitting on Buffalo, quote unquote. I mean, let's be honest with each other and ourselves here. We trash the weather here. For fuck's sake, it genuinely tried to kill us twice in the last six months. Have we forgotten about that already? The fact that the weather here in Western New York tried to kill us twice. Okay, let's, let's moving on from that. We all hate New York state taxes during the stadium shows, which we will be doing another of Thursday night when Ryan Lacell's in studio with us. We talked about how New York state has the most tax revenue of any state in the country. Like we talked about how the, the, you know, the Carolinas have like $22 million or 22, I think it was 22 billion maybe in total tax revenue. All together, that's all they have at their, because they have low sales tax and low property tax and low income tax. They don't tax the residents, but then they also don't have social programs. They also don't have quality schooling. And you know what else they don't have is money to invest in NFL franchises, which is why uh, Mr. Tepper and South Carolina had this giant blow up that's now being sought out, you know, solved in court because the state couldn't put the money together to help pay for their end of the deal when they already signed a contract saying they would. Meanwhile, you've got New York State that leads everybody with $210 billion in tax revenue, which means we have social programs, which means they can support they can support all kinds of things and education initiatives, and they can. there's a lot of things that New York State gets to do because it has all of this tax revenue. They also have the Buffalo Bills. They were also able to kick in a bunch of money that they kind of felt like the money that they, whether some people want to call it extortion or not, found under him in the couch cushions that was owed by the Seneca Nation to New York State, which they then actioned and just said, you know, what? we have so much tax revenue. No one's going to miss this. Put it towards the stadium. That's crazy. And that's all because of how high our taxes are. Right. So there is a benefit to this and directly a benefit to Bills fans right now in this moment. But let's not pretend that any one of us likes to open up our paycheck and see how much got taken by New York State. If you do, you're like anybody who says that reminds me of the guy who on Friday afternoon is reminding the teacher at the end of class that they forgot to assign homework. Like you're the worst. What we need to realize, these guys don't have ties to this place. Other than the fact that they were here, they lived here, and they were treated very well during their time here. In fact, some of them aren't treated very well, and they still don't go out of their way to, quote-unquote, trash us. Buffalo is not the best place on earth. But it's ours, right? It's mine. 
I look at this city and I say to myself, listen, it's not for everybody. Why? Because you have to deal with the fact that, yes, the weather will eventually try to kill you. Maybe a couple times over the course of your life that, yes, you will be taxed onerously. Yes, our local politics are a mess as they are pretty much everywhere. Guess what? Them's the breaks. And I still love this place because it's mine. Because I was born here, I was raised here, and I will die here. That's why I love it. I don't expect Jordan Poyer to walk through the front door from from Florida, say, well, I can't really do any you know, sport, big, big-time sport fishing. I'm losing a bunch of my money. I would really prefer a warmer climate like where I grew up. I mean, look at Marshawn Lynch didn't even know where the fuck Buffalo was. <laughs> Nobody knows as much about Buffalo or cares as much about Buffalo as the people who live here. And we have to stop putting that expectation on our our athletes, on our fellow citizens. Listen, I, I urge anybody. This place isn't for everyone. If you don't like it, I, I wouldn't stay. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't tell you. First of all, I don't like the congestion anyway. I'd like my throughway to be a little bit clearer during rush hour just for my own selfish purposes. So buy, leave. I don't care if you don't like it here. I know what I feel about it. And I that's all I can control. So that's all I'm going to put any kind of emo, you know, energy towards. The Buffalo Bills have done everything they can up to this season to do right by their players. Now there's some shrewd decisions coming along. Like, right, like th- this is the year that we as fans are kind of finding out the reality of it's harder to, quote unquote, do right by players when you don't have any money. It's really easy to keep extending Poyer and keep extending Hyde and keep extending these, you know, to, to bring back Kyle Williams for an extra season more because, out of necessity than anything else. But you do it and it's a feel good story. And at the same time. Like, it's easy to do those things when you're playing with house money because you, you're not paying a franchise quarterback. You don't have one linebacker who is an all-pro and you're paying like an all-pro or an, an all-world defensive end talent that you ink to a giant contract and snuck in under last year's salary cap. These are the realities of being a quality football team with highly paid players. So there's going to be more of this, right? There's going to come players who don't get the deal it we could see it play out here in a few weeks with tremaine Edmonds, right tremaine Edmonds, homegrown talent young kid with a mountain of upside the team has tried to do what they can but at the same time the realities of nfl finance still exist and that's just a thing that we're all gonna have to deal with so are they and if they express any sour grapes about it on the way out the door you need to let them have that we do and we need to stop being so thin-skinned because realistically, Buffalo, Buffalo, New York is not heaven on earth, not by any stretch of the imagination, but it's ours. <laughs> and that's good enough for me. Guys, I do appreciate you coming to the inaugural, just me drinking a beer, going off on a microphone about something <laughs> in my basement. These will be a little more constructive moving forward. I'll put together a game plan. I just wanted to test this out just to see how if it worked. If it had legs, if it would be something fun, something interesting to do, I'm having a blast with it. I can't wait for the next ones. And as they grow, we get more speakers, we get more participation. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're also going to do some from our studio. 
on podcast nights. We'll, we'll advertise those. We'll put those out well in advance so you guys can bring your talking points. You guys can, it will take, it will take callers. We'll treat this like a blue version, you know, like, like an FCC list version of WGR's calling line. Even though I know even saying that out loud, those people are the bane of my existence. <laughs> Hell, they're the reason I have a podcast in the first place. Guys, I appreciate showing up and listening to this live. I appreciate the people who are going to download this in podcast form. I can't wait to do more of these, but for today, I got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. Ah, there is no Chris Krueger. <laughs> and this has been the Rock Power Report on Twitter Spaces. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com